Welcome to Free Association. Uh, it's 20 minutes past eight. That's the 23rd of May, 2023. I've been seeing reports that Sukharit Bhakti has been found innocent of the charges against him, which was incitement of the masses and trivialization of the Holocaust. I've also seen reports that it, that the trial hasn't quite finished yet. So I, I don't think he's found he's been found innocent yet, but they're in process in a private hearing and the judge has indicated that the that the that the accusations can't proceed in the form they're in at the moment. So it looks like he's going to be found not guilty, but it hasn't happened yet. And what I've done is I've I've put together a couple of reports from Children's Health Defence, well, the current report from Children's Health Defence and a presentation that Sukharit Bhakti did uh, a little while ago, in which he's talking about plasmids. And I've never heard anybody speaking about plasmids before. So this will be relevant to somebody. I don't quite understand exactly what he's talking about but it'll be relevant to somebody and if you've got a medical background it'll be very relevant to you so this is Sukhari Bhakti and the presentations to Children's Health Defense This morning hundreds of supporters gathered in Germany as Dr. Bhakti faced court for his charges of incitement of the masses and trivialization of the Holocaust for statements he made comparing the COVID vaccination to 1930s Germany. The session began at 9.12 a.m. in Germany with a spectacular move by the defense, who issued an appeal not to have the indictment be read publicly. The reason is because the public prosecutor had been accused of issuing the indictment before all evidence had been observed and investigated. So far, so good for Dr. Bhakti, as the court did rule in the motion of the defense in favor of the defense to not allow the indictment of the charges to be read. The hearing is still ongoing, but it is a significant development that the judge has indicated that it is already clear that as of now, as of now, the charges as they are brought by the prosecutor are not going to be able to be upheld. Our German correspondent, Uwe Auschner, tells us from the courtroom that they are currently playing a cherry-picked 90-minute interview of Dr. Bhakti as part of the gathering of evidence, and they have taken a lunch break but will convene shortly. Stay tuned with us for updates and also follow CHD Europe reporter Taylor Hudak on Twitter for more on this story. Good morning, CHD. Today is May 11th, Thursday, and we're bringing back Michael Palmer and bringing Dr. Sukharit Bhakti as well to talk about uh, details regarding the vaccine, go into more detail about the plasmids that contain DNA within them and that have the potential to be bound to our own genes. Um, Michael, Palmer was a professor at uh, in Ontario, Canada, who lost his job when he refused to be vaccinated and spoke out against the vaccines. 
uh, Dr. Sukrit Bhakti is both of them are trained as physicians and worked primarily as biochemists and microbiologists. Sukarit was the chair of the Department of Microbiology at the University of Mainz in Germany uh, for 22 years and is now a retired emeritus professor. Sukarit has been charged with a, a serious crime in Germany for which he could be convicted and spend two years in jail. And his crime is inciting hatred by talking about what's wrong with COVID vaccines and also by telling people the truth about COVID. So he said that some of the COVID measures, the responses were similar to what happened in Nazi Germany. And oddly enough, in Germany, you're not allowed to say that. It is against the law because they say you are belittling the the Nazi period and we and you have to take it very seriously. So when we say that something is equivalent to what the Nazis did then, that is now being turned on its head and used as a club to hit those of us who are who are pointing out exactly the parallels between COVID, the COVID response and the Nazi regime. So anyway, with that, I give you uh, Sugarit Bhakti, who will talk about plasmids in the vaccines and their implications, and Michael Palmer. And Michael and I will chime in now and again. Please, Dr. Bhakti, begin. Thank you, Meryl, and hello, everyone. Yes, I uh, stood up right at the beginning three years ago to warn the world that these vaccines were a danger to mankind. Two years ago, uh, I and also Michael Palmer knew full well that it was textbook knowledge that these vaccines are going to maim and kill people. It was completely clear. And that was what we were trying to disseminate to the lay across the world. In fact, all our premonitions have turned out to be correct. And as you know, the numbers of maimed and killed by these vaccines are countless. They are countless. And everyone is wondering, how come there are so many blood clots in all the vessels of your body, in the brain, in the heart, in the liver, wherever you want? And where does this come from? And people don't realize that we have been telling you for two years that this is going to happen. We have predicted, not because it's our discovery, but because it is known from textbooks that this is going to happen. Now, guys, what we said two years ago was that if you inject a gene, a foreign gene into your body, this is not a whole gene, it is the copied gene, the gene for the spike protein, something alien. You're going to incite self-destruction in your body, and it's going to start in the vessels. Now, wonderfully enough, one of the great scientists in the world, Kevin McCarnan, at the forefront of gene technology, he was one of the pioneers. Uh, a month ago, uh, made known to the public 
that something so awful had been discovered in his lab. And this awful discovery is going to shake the world. And I'm going to try to shake your world right now in the next 18 minutes. I'm going to tell you what he discovered. I gave this talk two days ago in German to the press in, in a press conference. And the co-authors are Professor Ulrich Kemmerer and, and Dr. Michael Palmer. My, Michael is sitting right here, who helped me in this endeavor. There were two others who don't want to be named at the moment, but I will name them sometime in my life. Okay, Two other ladies, great ladies. We are looking now on the left side at DNA. This is the book of life that is encaged in your nucleus. The nucleus is a safe, a huge treasury. The DNA is a double-stranded helix made of nucleotides. And it is like uh, a recipe, a cookbook recipe. This cookbook recipe is stored in the safe, the nucleus. And whenever the chief cook, the baker, needs a recipe, he will come and into the nucleus, open the book at the right space. You see, the recipe is written from top to bottom. So you have recipes going on from the top to the bottom of your DNA. And if he needs a recipe in the middle, he will open the book in the middle and copy this recipe. The copy is called RNA. The RNA is taken to his bakery, which is in the cell outside the nucleus. The chief baker will close the book and put it back into the treasury. And in the ribosomes, which are the bakery, the recipe is going to be used so that the protein is made. This is what's happening in your body, in your cells, all the time. Now, when a cell divides, what happens is that the DNA book opens up completely, and then a copy is made of both strands of DNA. And so you get two chromosomes. Each strand of DNA is one chromosome, okay? Which is a list of recipes down one after the other. The book of life. Now, bacteria also have a chromosome, double-stranded DNA, but they have only one. And this one chromosome is coiled up in their cell. They don't have a nucleus. They don't have a treasury, all right? So what they do is they tie the two strands, the ends, the beginning and the end together so they have a circular chromosome, and therefore the genes cannot be read. The, uh, the recipe book cannot be opened normally. Now, of course, uh, God, nature, thought that E. coli, or the bacteria, uh, should be given something special so that they could exchange their genetic knowledge with each other. And so plasmids were invented. The plasmids are shown, a plasmid is shown here, this circular DNA at the top um, is 
a micro, a mini chromosome that carries genes, but is also encircled. So it's closed. It cannot be opened. And these plasmids carry different genes that can be exchanged between bacteria. Now, these plasmids of microchromosomes can be isolated and they are extremely stable. They can be stored forever. They can even be created by mankind. And the wonderful thing about these plasmids is that man has learned how to introduce foreign genes into these circular chromosomes. For instance, the spike gene for corona. And that is what the industry, Pfizer, Moderna, Pfizer-BioNTech, has been doing. They have been introducing the spike gene into the bacterial gene, which is a plasmid. Now, if you put this plasmid into a bacterium that has no plasmid, this plasmid has its own life and it will multiply with the bacterial chromosome. So in the middle of this picture, you see a bacteria that has enclosed, that has taken up this plasmid with a spike gene. If you throw that one cell into a tank of 5,000 liters, a soup from which E. coli you know, can nourish itself, then within days, within a week, that tank, that soup is going to be filled with E. coli. And with every multiplication, you also multiply the plasmid with the spike gene. Then it is easy to break open these trillions and billion trillions of bacteria. You can't count them. And take out the plasmids out of these bacteria, throw the bacteria away, and what you have are trillions of these plasmids on the left side. And now the great pro progresses of gene technology come into play. You can throw these plasmids into a bucket. And in this bucket, you have all the, the, the instruments to cut open these circularized plasmids, convert them to linearized DNA, which is on in under four, that can be opened at the right space so that the mRNA can be transcribed. The copy can be made of the gene, okay? And that is what Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna have been doing for the last two and a half years. They have in, within just a few days, you know, these plasmids, there's a, there's a fairy tale of a hen that lays golden eggs. These plasmids are not golden eggs. They are eggs that lay diamonds because uh, you, can, you can harvest so many plasmids within such little time, you can then go and make your messenger RNA, the copy that the chief baker makes by hand. And this copy can then, lo and behold, the copy, the mRNA, 
is packaged, this is under five now, into lipid nanoparticles. Now, what are lipid nanoparticles? They are envelopes, or let us say, they are packages made of artificial substances that protect the mRNA from being destroyed in your body, from being destroyed in your body. Thus, the moment you inject one of these packages into your muscles, that package has the possibility of getting into the bloodstream and getting into the body. Now, one has to realize that each injection of these damn things, Corona, COVID vaccines, contain billions of packages. Billions. Do you know what a billion is? It's a thousand million. It's not one package that gets into these poor bodies. It's a thousand million. And of these thousand millions, it is known that many, many, many millions get into the bloodstream, reach the bloodstream. Now, the second function of these lipid nanoparticles is that they enable these mRNA molecules, these transcribed genes, the recipe to make the spike RNA enter cells. Any cell in your body is able to take up this. I have to take a deep breath now because these cells will then start to produce the spike protein. Now, we have a vessel here and we have in the middle of the vessel, we have a package with the mRNA that has entered the vessel. Now, the vessel wall, number one, is lined with intact cells, which are called endothelial cells, the tapestry of your vessels. Now, the vessel wall has more cells in your body than any other organ. You are just... Of course, because the vessel's system is so intricate, it's so exquisite. Uh, so you have more vessel wall cells, lining the cells, than any other cells in your body. It is bound to be that once in a while, a cell number two is going to take up the packaged. This is like a Trojan horse. The lipid nanoparticles are like a Trojan horse. Cells love to take them up. And then the content of the Trojan horse is going to be injected into the cell cytosol. This is number two. Then in three, that, those, that mRNA is going to cause the production of the gene product, which is the spike protein. Now, every physician Everyone who has ever studied medicine should know, should know. Sadly, they don't know. Sadly, they seem to have forgotten it. Sadly, they never learned it. If your cell, any cell in your body, dares to start to produce something that is foreign, a protein that does not belong to yourself, and this is shown in 4 and 5.
Then that cell is going to be attacked by your immune system. This attack is God-given. Every baby that is born is born with this capacity to kill cells that are producing non-self. We will not discuss how this comes to be. We will just take home the message that this is so. And this attack is overwhelming. The moment you start to boost your immune system, train your immune system, this attack is going to get in more and more and more intensive. And then what's going to happen is that your immune system is going to attack these walls of your vessel, scrape the walls, cause damage in six. The cells of the walls are going to slough off. And in seven, what happens is that those gene packages that are left in the bloodstream, because they circulate for days, they will leak out, they will seep out into the organs and be taken up by the cells of your organs, be it liver, be pancreas, be thyroid, blah, 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 be it brain or heart cell muscle. And then the attack will continue in the tissues. This is what Michael and I said more than two years ago was bound to happen. And what we are now in living, what we're now experiencing is that what we said is coming true in so terrible amounts that you, you it's unfathomable. This is uh, an intervascular casting of an adult human brain, the forefront. And you can see 20% of the oxygen that we consume in our body under resting conditions is consumed by the brain. Every single vessel, every single tiniest vessel fulfills an essential function in life. It is feeding the cells around them with oxygen and nutrients. And those cells need oxygen. They can do without oxygen for about four minutes after which they die. Now, this happens, of course, in many, many other organs. However, other organs, if cells die, can regenerate those cells. They are able to renew them. This is what is called healing. The gift of healing is not given to the brain, the heart, and certain other organs in the body. Therefore, each and every death to a brain cell is irreparable. Death to a heart muscle cell is irreparable and is going to be a danger to life. And I tell you, I am convinced it will shorten the lifespan of that person. Now, I come to the sensational uh, discovery of Michael Mertz and the publication that appeared on the 1st of October 2022. This is not my work, it's not Michael's work, it's the work of an independent pathologist in Germany who investigated a case of a 77-year-old patient who died after his third vaccine vaccination.
And he, he was altered. He was psychically altered. He was not the same man that his family knew. And then he died, apparently, of a pneumonia. But Michael Mertz was able to discover things that were absolutely unique. In the brain, he discovered that smallest vessels in different parts of the brain, and I'm showing you two pictures derived from two parts of the brain, the vessels, the smallest vessels, and you are looking at one vessel here on the left and one vessel here on the right, were inflamed and he was able to show the presence of this damn virus spike protein in the endothelial cells which lined the walls. In the brain tissue around these vessels, he found brain cells that were dying or dead. This is number one. We don't have to go to any detail. And cells that betrayed that the tissue was inflamed. So inflammatory cells, two and three, no details. You can look this up and it's all published, all right? Now, amazingly enough, and this is very, very important, guys, he found the same pattern in the heart of this man where no myocarditis had actually been diagnosed clinically. However, in the smallest vessel of the heart, he also found, this is one vessel on the left side, he also found stained in brown, the spike protein and inflammation. And in the heart muscle itself surrounding these vessels, next slide, he found all signs of a myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscles. We don't have to go to any details because all this can be looked up. It's published, guys. And next slide. So, I'm sorry, I did this in German two days ago and I did not have time to translate to English, but what is this shouting and screaming out at the world? Michael Mertz, a case report, multifocal, meaning at many sites in the brain, necroticizing, meaning that the brain cells are dying, encephalitis, all right? Um, <laughs> this is called ADEM, multifocal necroticizing encephalopathy. And myocarditis, don't forget, the same person had it, after Pfizer-BioNTech shot. Now, what I'm telling you now is completely new. I'm going to try to bring this home to all of you. I get very, very emotional when people like ah, Pfizer, BioNTech, uh, Bill Gates, I don't care what their name is, say, well, that was bad luck. But the incidence of multifocal necroticizing encephalitis after vaccination is not higher than the normal incidence in the normal population without any vaccination, which is known to be one to our 100,000 persons per year.
by the way. Oh, guys, what a bad luck for him. He had myocarditis, but it's not higher than the incidence, you know, of one to, let's say, 10,000. It's actually one to 50,000, but I put it down to 10,000 just for you. Because we're going to do a, bit, do a bit of arithmetic in a moment. Now, guys, let me tell you this. The very fact that two such diseases, ailments, were found in one and the same person, Within one year, the time span was less than one year, is damning. And it is proof that it comes from the vaccination. So sit down, close your eyes, think. You have two uh, boxes, one to the left, one to the right. In one box, you have two lottery lots. Two and two. In each box, the one lottery lot is a winner. Only one of two. What is the incidence of the winner? It's one to two, right? Left and right. Now, close your eyes. Grasp and pull out a lot. What is the probability that you're going to get Two winning lots in your hands. Is it one to two? No, it's one to four. Because the probability of coincidence that you get both lots is the multiplication of the true incidence. Guys, I hope you realize, all you lawyers out there, that you have everything in your hands now. Because the probability that this one patient would have uh, encephalitis and myocarditis at the same time is 100,000 times 10,000, which is one per one billion. And there are not one billion inhabitants in Europe. <coughs> this means it was the injection. There's no other, no other explanation. Now, since then, the pathologists in Germany have been doing these examinations on many autopsies, 80 all in all. And in more than 40, they have found combinations such as this that rendered it impossible for the deaths to have occurred from anything else than the vaccines. Okay, guys, take that home. How could this be? And what, what, what these pathologists also found was that, oddly, strangely, enigmatically enough, they found spike proteins in the vessel walls and also in the tissues of deceased who, whose vaccination was way back in time, months, even a year. You, they couldn't believe it because the mRNA, now we're coming back to the plasmids, we come back to the mRNA in the middle that is packaged into these uh, lipid nanoparticles. It is known that these mRNA 
molecules are long-lived. They are modified RNA because of something we don't talk about. But the longevity is not months. It's not a year. It may be weeks, okay, which is bad enough, by the way. How can this be? So one possibility that was in the minds of many and is still in the minds of many is that this mRNA could be retrospectively rewritten into DNA and then incorporated into the genome. This possibility has never been excluded and I think that Michael and I do believe that it may take place. However, one of the leading experts in the field of gene technology, Kevin McKernan, asked himself another question. He asked whether, you know, all of this takes place in, uh, in a big pot. And when the mRNA is produced, it has to be fished out, cleaned, freed of DNA, because it's a soup. It's a soup of, it's just a dirty soup. And in the soup, you still may have DNA strands lying around, but even more important, you may have plasmid DNA that has not been cut open lying around. So Kevin looked at this. He took, I think it's been now eight charges of the newer uh, vaccines by Moderna and by Pfizer-BioNTech. And he looked to see whether they contained any contaminating plasmid DNA. Eight. This is all Pfizer-BioNTech. The discovery, oh God, yes, all of the charges that he looked at contained contaminating plasmid DNA carefully enwrapped in the lipid nanoparticles because the lipids don't know whether it's plasmid DNA or mRNA. First come, first serve. In some charges, he found that up to 30% of the nucleic acid was plasmid DNA enwrapped, protected, and deliverable to the human cell, every human cell. Now, guys, let me tell you, these plasmids have their own life. They can multiply in your cells, and they will. Moreover, what a thought, such terrible thought. You know, when a cell divides one of your cells, this could be a stem cell, uh, this could be cells of the reproductive system, sperm cells, or cells in your body that have been uh, uh, injured, like the, your, your endothelial cell lining, the other cells start to to replicate, to heal the wounds. The moment a cell starts to replicate, that book of life that is kept in the treasury becomes exposed. 
the walls of the treasury disappear and they gain immediate contact with plasmid that is in the cytosol. And then there are mechanisms that enable the bacterial DNA or the DNA that is contained in the bacterial chromosome to be integrated into your chromosome. And the consequences we will not start to describe. This is, you see, in German. And I said, I will not talk about this. I will just tell you what can happen. It is so awful that uh, you will have a sleepless night. First of all, the integration of any foreign gene into your chromosome can cause cancer immediately, can cause all sorts of inflammation, and moreover, will cause this gene to be transmitted to your offspring. You will be genetically transformed forever. Now, guys, I am not, this is not a hate speech. This is a speech to make everyone wake up and see the dangers that they are facing because the WHO and the CDC and the FDA and all these guys up there are planning to introduce RNA vaccines worldwide, everywhere. And the first have already been introduced and they are causing the same damage that all the others are going to cause because a foreign gene is entering your body and because the production of this mRNA will never, never guarantee that plasmids, these foreign genes derived from bacteria, stolen from bacteria, enter the human cells. And what this means is that all humans who are injected with these bacterial plasmids or genes are genetically altered. And every cell that is genetically altered is doomed, is doomed. I hope you realize this, guys. So we're not quibbling, we're not quarreling. We're trying to tell you, if you don't stand up now, and protect not only yourselves, but your beloved ones. This is what we've been saying for years now. Protect your beloved ones, your families. I talked to the media, we gave this press conference and I said to the press, you are the ones that can open the eyes of the populace. You are the only ones who can spread this message in a way that it is seen and heard by the world. Help us before it is too late. And it's going to be too late very, very soon. Okay. Well, that's um, a tough message to give to people. Uh, what Sukarit is saying is that 
When we thought the vaccine only contained RNA, it was a possibility, but it was relatively remote that it could be uh, retrotranscribed and put into your or make its way into your genome. Now that we know there is a large amount of plasmid DNA, which codes for this spike protein, the chance is much greater that it can, it's much easier for it to join and become part of the genome of many cells in your body. And many of these cells will then produce spike. Uh, When the spike is on the surface of the cell, it will trigger an immune response and your immune system will kill the cell. Um, That's so that's one problem. And the more shots you get, the more likely it is for your immune system to come and kill the cell. So where we see myocarditis or we see inflammation in the brain, we think that is what is happening, that the spike protein has has appeared on the surface, on the outside of the cell, and therefore allowing the immune cells and antibodies to come in for an attack. Um, What Sukarit is saying is that if this happens in your sperm or your ova, um, then as you produce offspring, those offspring will continue to produce spike protein. They will have the, the DNA to do it. And this may cause a chronic illness problem in your offspring as well as yourself. If this, uh, these, this terrible DNA gets into the genes within the sperm or ova cells of your body. Let me say something, Meryl. Uh, I'll take a step back. Uh, Even if the plasmid DNA does not get into the chromosome, uh, it's horrible because the plasmid DNA, uh, I talked to Ulrika Kemmerer just uh, this morning, and she told me there is no known mechanism for a cell to get rid of plasmid DNA. This never happens actually in, in normal life because plasmid DNAs cannot enter cells. The Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna have created the first plasmid DNA that can enter cells en masse, en masse, in a manner that has never been tested at all. But what Ulrika told me was that there have been experiments in swine, where they put uh, uh, in culture, they introduce the plasmid DNA into the sperm cells to make altered swine, all right? And the swine produced sperma forever that contained the plasmid. It was never removed, never removed. This means that if your vessel wall has the plasmid DNA, there's no known mechanism to stop that vessel wall from making the spike protein. And therefore, it becomes irrelevant whether it's in the gene. It becomes, of course, terribly relevant the moment it is in the gene because then you're done for. Then then it's really the finish. Um, But the case is clear. The mere introduction of plasmid DNA into the cytosome is genetic manipulation of man. And this is what the law authorities have to take home. And they've got 
to bring these guys to justice. Michael, did Michael? you want to add anything? Yeah, um, maybe a little bit of detail. So the um, insertion into the chromosomal DNA may lead to the expression of spike protein for long periods of time indefinitely in principle that's possible but even if perchance only a fragment of the dna which was taken up by the body cells gets inserted into the chromosome and there is no ensuing um, production of spike protein there is still potential for damage because the foreign gene must insert itself somewhere and this has the chance, this <clears throat> entails a chance of uh, disruption in the genome, right? An essential gene might be knocked out or if the gene inserts itself next to a gene that is supposed to only produce very few copies of messenger RNA over time, to be only very weakly expressed, it might all of a sudden be very strongly expressed. And if either of these genes, either disrupted or overexpressed genes, um, are important in regulating the growth of the cell, you might end up with cancer. And indeed, this is not merely hypothetical. It is known that in patients undergoing gene therapy, leukemias and cancers are a very common occurrence. This is indeed what has held back the general adoption of gene therapy for decades now. This problem is very difficult to overcome. Now, it's not going to be equally likely with every injected person, but on the other hand, you have very large numbers of people who have been injected. And <clears throat> I think it is just... Um, it's the numbers game. I'm almost certain that there will be cases of leukemia and cancer down the line, which will have been caused by these uh, genetic injections, right? So the individual risk is lower, but given the very large number of people who have been injected with these needless and toxic injections, um, there will be future cases of leukemia and, and cancer sure. down the road. So that's one important point. Then, um, Indeed, as Sutra says, the uh, cells, any given cell can not really get rid of the plasmid DNA. So this has also been observed in animal experiments when um, experimental animals, I forget now what species it was, but they were injected with um, plasmids, obviously a large number of copies. They went to the liver, at least some of them. They were taken up by the liver and the liver then started producing a foreign protein. In this case, it was a coagulation factor. And this production was stably maintained for the entire duration of the experiment, which was more than a year. So as Sutra says, the presence of the uh, plasmid DNA in these uh, vaccines in large amounts might very well account for the surprisingly long-lasting expression of spike protein in injected persons, which then leads to the various manifestations which the pathologists have observed, right? Even weeks and months after the uh, most recent injection, they tend to find strong expression of spike protein, and this expression of spike protein tends to coincide with local inflammation, just as would be expected based on the mechanism that Sutra presented. Um, so the long-lasting expression could be explained. Now, the um, one mechanism that actually does tend to cause the loss of such uh, 
DNA which has not been stably integrated is actually cell division. If you induce, if you induce cell division, for example, in the liver, this can be experimentally done by removing part of the organ, so then the remainder will start to regrow, then the uh, DNA gets lost. But as long as it does not happen, you can expect fairly stable expression of spike protein from this recombinant DNA. That's all for now. Yeah, but that's perfect. And, you know, the very finding calls for an immediate stop of all this crime. It has to be stopped because, as we all know, the mRNA vaccines have now also been introduced to into veterinary medicine. Uh, I don't know how many millions of animals have already received these shots. They are genetically altering the animals on earth. Oh my God, you know, really my God, I'm a Buddhist, but when a Buddhist says my God, you can see it's really earnest. <laughs> it's really, I, I, I cannot understand how Americans can put up with this. You've got to stop. You've got to stop them. Stop the WHO. Stop the CDC. Stop the FDA. Stop the DARPA. Stop all these guys. But we're really at the end. We are at the end now, Meryl. It's, it's, there's no time to lose. We certainly don't want any more doses of these existing vaccines, which in the United States is all the bivalent vaccines. They're no longer called boosters because they're used for initial and later vaccinations. We don't want um, RSV vaccines. They're completely unnecessary. And we don't need uh, them to be made of RNA. Some are made of RNA. Some are made using more uh, perhaps traditional means, although um, the the RNA, the, sorry, the RSV vaccine that was only just uh, licensed a few weeks ago uses a uh, a novel uh, adjuvant, a novel um, immune boosting substance, which is probably dangerous as well. So um, we have to be very careful what's injected into us. But as Sukar had said, we need to stop this whole process. The same people who are claiming they're worried about loss of biodiversity are, are basically creating Frankenstein's monsters, and they don't—they don't have to pay the price. So, if a scientist creates something that is very harmful, there is no mechanism for um, putting that scientist on trial. There, there is no, the, in the United States the only crime of scientific misconduct involves either faking your data or plagiarizing. And um, if, if you create a gain-of-function organism that can kill people, there's no, there's no punishment in, in the book of crimes for that. It isn't a crime. So we have to make Even it a if crime. you create a, something that is causing genetic modification of humans? Right. It's not a crime. No. No, it's not a crime. Not in our, not in our system of law. Well, so, um, well, well. And and the biological weapons convention, which suggested that you we could not um, create biological weapons, um, was never. Although it was signed and ratified and supposedly went into force, it has no punishments and it has no mechanisms for investigating allegations of crimes. 
So it's basically a completely toothless, worthless treaty unless, you know, unless we strengthen it and say, okay, these are the crimes and these are the punishments. But right now we don't have that built into the treaty. So, yeah, there's no law to punish people for doing these things. And um, so we have a lot of work to do. Thank you for joining us today. Dr. Bhakti has explained, I think, in enough detail that almost anyone can understand how dangerous these vaccines are. And particularly with the presence of bacterial plasmids that contain DNA for the spike, um, there is finally an explanation for how much illness we are seeing and why these illnesses persist so long after vaccination because we are reproducing the spike and all its associated toxicities within our cells and some uh, code for the spike may in fact be entering our own genes in some of our cells and hopefully not our reproductive cells. Um, Please uh, share this video, explain to people how dangerous the situation is and work with us to prevent any more COVID vaccines or any more RNA vaccines, any more gene therapy vaccines. We don't need them. They are harmful. The, the platform, the method by which these vaccines are being made is harmful. The harms cannot be taken away and we have to stop this. Thanks for watching. We can only face shared threats with a shared response based on a shared commitment to solidarity and equity. An agreement between nations to work in cooperation with each other, not in competition, to prepare for and respond to epidemics and pandemics. This accord would be an instrument of international law. WHO's role would be to help implement the accord. Then we need a group of infectious disease responders to spring into action. Think of these as like pandemic firefighters. They're going to go wherever that problem is. An accord that captures all the challenges we have faced during this pandemic is essential for making sure that the world does not repeat the mistakes that were made in this pandemic. A posse of ruthless, interconnected global billionaires has gained control over national and international policy-setting institutions. You are not going to take away our freedom. You are not going to poison our children. We are going to demand our democracy back. Let's take responsibility for our health, trust in the power of our own agency, and start actively creating a better way for ourselves, our loved ones, and our communities. Another world is not only possible, she is on her way, and on a quiet day, I can hear her breathing.